Hello there. Welcome back to Star Wars in a Galaxy. Today, for our 62nd installment, this is our retrospective of Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 4. We're going to be going over it, talking about some of our favorite moments, our thoughts on the series as a whole. So, Let's just get into it. As always, I'm Jacob. I'm Eli. Welcome back to Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. Yeah, this is our final episode of Season 7 of Star Wars in a Galaxy. You want to just get into it? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, why don't you go first with, for these? So, uh, first, uh, let's do your overall thoughts of Season 4 of Star Wars. Wow. Well, overall, I think there is a lot to unpack here. Uh, season four, you know, I think of the Mon Cala trilogy, the Embara trilogy, the Zygeria trilogy, the Reiko Hardin and Crisis on Naboo quadrilogy, and the Asajj Maul quadrilogy. And that's all in one season. So just that as a recap, and with a couple other pretty good episodes stuffed in there as well, I think this is easily the most consistent and overall the best season of the Clone Wars that we've had so far, and for me, possibly of all those seasons, I have to say. Um, there are some notable exceptions. <coughs> Nomad droids. Shadow Warrior. <laughs> I don't know. I think Shadow Warrior is overrated. I think it's kind of a fun episode. In terms of the themes, the character development, the writing, the animation quality, and the overall visuals of this season... I think it's an absolute tour de force. I think if it weren't for Mercy Mission and Nomad Droids, personally, I consider this season pretty much flawless. Um, I really think that at this point, you know, the show has really found its stride. Um, this really just feels like the team kind of flexing their muscles. It's interesting you say that because I'm going to shock her for anybody who's never listened to this podcast. Disagree with you slightly there. Um, this is maybe one of the least consistent seasons of the Clone Wars for me. There are, I'm looking at my ranking right now, there are about half the episodes that I'm like, holy crap, these are some of the best episodes they've ever written in Star Wars television. And then there's some episodes I'm like, why did they do this? Um, I, it's, it's around half and half. I think it's a little bit more positive than negative, but still, uh, I have, we'll get to this when we get to our rankings, I have some more negative feelings on a few arcs that I think you already know about um, from this season. Um, and so those arcs run cold, but then we have, you know, as you described before, some of your favorite arcs, or some of my favorite arcs, again, I'm not gonna spoil it too much because I wanna save it for the ranking, but um, it's it's so weird for me to go from, from some things that in my opinion are so good to some things that are so bad and then back because it's, it's very jarring. I think overall, of course, the season is, um, it succeeds far more often than it fails. And even when it fails, for me at least, it fails in a way that it's not the type of story that I want told, which is completely fine because everybody has their own types of Star Wars stories that they like being told. Um, so often when it fails, it's not like, this is bad storytelling. It's, I'd rather not see this. Yeah, I think there were definitely, uh, there was definitely a lot of stuff in here that a lot of episodes that for me, they felt like a risk, but I think it kind of paid off and they kind of hit the mark. Obviously, other people might not feel that way. I'm probably thinking about the, the mall return right now, for example, maybe. Um, but yeah, I really, um, I, re I really enjoyed this season overall. I think I remember when we did our season three retrospective, we talked about how much of a step up how much how much season three kind of kicked it up a notch yeah absolutely and i really think that um for for season four i think it's a much smaller difference um from season three than season three was for from season two but i think it, it's interesting that at the same time as it's it's um it's not as big of a change in terms of overall how dark how gritty it feels it feels like the types of stories that they're telling really changes. And it feels like the, the narratives and the themes that they're looking at really, um, 
really shift in a big way. I think this really kind of strips away in season four the last the last vestiges of the early Clone Wars framework or formula, you might say, of you know the the good guy Jedi leading the valiant clone troopers in a brave heroic battle against the evil unthinking separatist droids. And I think in this we really see, you know, kind of with the Umbara arc, you know, it takes that and it turns it on its head. In all these other arcs, you know, that don't even have droids, don't even have clones, maybe it's not even about the Republic or the Separatists in their battle. I think it it it, it brings in a totally different feeling and a totally different focus, you know. All of a sudden we've got focusing on the Night Sisters, focusing on Asajj's personal journey, you know. So many different things that kind of break out of what the Clone Wars was about in the early seasons of very much that clone versus droid focus. It's interesting that you say that because I was thinking about this a lot with the season four. Um, you know, we talk about the it's poetry, it's like poetry, it rhymes moments in Star Wars a lot. Um, but then they do some stuff like season four where I feel like is kind of internal rhyming, where I feel like there's a lot of the same scenarios that happen in season one happening in season four, but what's changed? We've grown up. Yeah. The show has grown up. And so now we're not dealing with um, clones necessarily betraying each other for the separatist cause, a la the hidden enemy. But now we're dealing with the clones being made to think they've betrayed each other, um, a la Carnage of Krell. Yeah. And on the surface, those things seem very similar. But once you dive deep into them, you realize that we're getting into a much darker and just generally more morally rich place in this season. I I, I do agree with you that there's a lot of um, uh, a, a lot of complexity woven into the season. Um, I know Alden Diaz actually likes to use this quote a lot when talking about Star Wars. Um, when Harrison Ford was asked about the Star Wars sequel trilogy in um, in interviews for The Force Awakens, he was describing um, Force Awakens as an extension of theme. Um, and I like that idea because I feel like there's a lot of themes from season one right now, and to a lesser extent seasons two and three, that are extending into season four and taking on new meaning and taking on new life. Yeah. I think that's a very astute observation. I think for me, my my interpretation of that, maybe how how we're seeing, you know, more and more complex themes and ideas kind of get pushed to the surface is what for me at least, I guess what I'm trying to say is for me, what makes this season especially so compelling and what really makes it take the next step above all is how it's not necessarily a whole lot darker, more emotional. It certainly is sometimes, but on the whole, it's not necessarily a ton darker, grittier, more emotional than season three. But I think it really introduces a lot of moral ambiguity and a lot of situations of, you know, these characters test being tested and really having to think about their beliefs and, and think about their place in the universe in a way that they haven't before. I really think that the main takeaway for me of this season was everyone's getting tested, you know, like slaves of the Republic, Anakin and Ahsoka really getting tested. Their beliefs are getting challenged. Yeah. Umbara, that's a huge it's a huge test for a, yeah. the, the clones and not necessarily a test in terms of, Oh yeah, you, yeah. Oh, you're going to pass like, Oh, you passed the test, but kind of self everyone's belief about themselves is being challenged, I think. And that's what makes the season so compelling and so fun for me is how everyone no like no one's safe in this season. You know what yeah. I mean? Asajj Ventress as well. I, I, I would say I would extend, I would, Revise your statement a little bit. No one's morally safe. Yeah, I think no one's morally no one's ethically safe. safe. No one's safe from the challenge of their beliefs in this season. I definitely agree with you. And one of the things I actually like about this season is that there are episodes that I hate that deal with this. There are also episodes that I love that deal with this. It's they never stop doing it. 
all of the all of the arcs, all the episodes are about in some way challenging beliefs. Yeah, challenging what you thought you knew about yourself. Yeah, I think I think what I really want to say is no one's identity is safe. There we go. That's there was it, yeah. a um, no one's identity who, is safe. Who we are does not change. Who we think we are does. That was one of the four. That was Bounty's fortune cookie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really think that kind of hits. That is such a good. That that's one where it's a little more overt and kind of the main focus of the episode. But I think woven into many of these episodes, you know, also Obi Wan, Reiko Hardin, for example, oh, along with all the other ones I already mentioned earlier. It's all about characters kind of coming face, having to face themselves, having to having their identity challenged you know, by was, by whatever it, it may be. I was thinking of the subtitle for the season. I don't know if you knew this, but there are subtitles for many seasons of um, Star Wars The Clone Wars. Season 2 is Rise of the Bounty Hunters. Season 3 is Secrets Revealed. Season 4 is Battle Lines. So... Is this is this an official yes, or unofficial? This is an it was official. official. Wow. This is an official thing. Uh, season 4 is called Battle Lines. And I, try, and I was thinking like... You know, this is there. You know, for all of the good that, like the political arcs, for example, in season three did. Every single episode in this arc, I'm pretty sure. Let me just check. Yeah, pretty much everyone. The main characters are on the front line of war. There's no one sitting back anywhere, sitting pretty. You know what I mean? They're all on the front lines being tested in a in war zones yeah and i think that there's a lot of that in there that's like you know you can't know yourself if you're safe you can only know yourself if you're vulnerable um yeah that's a very this is a very good point okay um should we get to the ranking yeah you don't talk to this for like Five minutes now. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's uh, let's get to the ranking. Um, okay. My number twenty-two. No surprise to any uh, long-time listeners is Nomad Droids. My number twenty-one is Mercy Mission. My number nineteen is A Friend in Need. My number eighteen is Brothers. Brothers in nineteen massacre at eighteen. Okay. Uh, in seven uh, Water War. In 17th, uh, Prisoners in 16th, Shadow Warrior in 15th, uh, Gungan Attack in 14th, Kidnapped in 13th, Slaves of the Republic in 12th, Deception in 11th, Friends and Enemies in 10th, Darkness on Umbara in 9th, Bounty in 8th, Crisis on Naboo in 7th, The Box in 6th, The General in 5th, Revenge in 4th, in 3rd, Escape from Cadavo, in 2nd, Plan of Descent, and probably also to no one's surprised, my number 1, Carnage of Krell. Fascinating list. Mine is, as always, completely different. (laughs) We probably have a lot of a lot of yeah. swaps where I'm right at the top and you're right at the bottom. Yes, that's absolutely. always how it. Actually, always how it seems to pan a fu- out. There's funny. There, it's funny. There's there's one three patch in the middle where we both have the same three. They're just all in a different order. Wow. So okay, here we go. Are you ready for mine? I am ready. At number twenty two, to absolutely nobody's surprise, brothers. <laughs> at number twenty one, probably also to absolutely nobody's surprise, revenge. I know, okay, I want to butt in here because I know I said to nobody's surprise, but that pales in comparison to how unsurprised I am at what Eli is saying right now. I just yeah. want to put that out there. Because yeah. I feel like I stole your thunder for saying that. <laughs> no, it's fine. Number 20, Shadow Warrior. Number 19, The General. Number 18, Darkness on Umbara. Number 17, Plan of Descent. Number 16, Carnage of Krell. Number 15, Nomad Droids. Number 14, Mercy Mission. Number 13, Kidnapped. Number 12, Friends and Enemies. Number 11, Slaves of the Republic. Number 10, Deception. Number 9, Bounty. Number 8, Escape from Cadavo. Number 7, 
Crisis on Naboo, number six, A Friend in Need, number five, The Box, number four, Massacre, number three, I wonder what my top three are going to be, number <laughs> three, Water War, number two, Gungan Attack, and number one, Prisoners. Wow, so they're all up there. Yep. They're all, wow, the package deal. The package one. That is rare. Yeah. That is rare. So, um. Where do we start with this? There's, I feel like there's so much going on between I our two lists. I want to start with an interesting one that you might not have expected me to start with. I'm going to start with our good old episode, A Friend in Need. A Friend in Need. Which mm. I thought was going to be last on your list. <laughs> it wasn't. It was third to last. And it was sixth on my list. Wow, so um, big, big gap there. And I think there's one main reason for this. <laughs> I wonder what it could possibly be. Pokemon. Um, <laughs> sorry, bad cough there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just just a cough. Nothing. Yeah, just no, nothing sinister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, is that all? Is is really is it really just Bo-Katan burning a village that puts that episode solo or no? I mean. I mean, I guess I'll go first and say why I had it where I did, and then you can say where you had it while you did. For me, yes, Bo-Katan wasn't a huge factor. Like, yes, I don't like her as a character. She just, she just doesn't, she just doesn't seem that likable to me. Um, I know, I know, I'm gonna get in trouble for that one. Um, if if Meg um ever listens to this, oh no, she will. <laughs> oh she my will. gosh, she's called me um, every single time. But, you know, obviously, um, she's a very interesting character, um, but just not one that I, that I like. Um, but as far as this episode goes, it wasn't terrible. I just don't really, the, the whole Ahsoka and Lux relationship and the, the kind of dynamic that they have going doesn't quite click for me. Um, so it was definitely a cool episode. There were some cool moments, you know, R2 having his moment, um, with the droids, um, so there's there's some some stuff to like in this episode, but it's just in the context of this season, which for me has so many amazing episodes, I, I just couldn't justify putting it any higher. Even though I probably would have had this been in a different season. Yeah. Uh. Again, those are all valid points. I'll just I'll just explain some things for me for me personally. Um, I want to point out a pattern on mine, which I didn't notice until now, but is pretty obvious now when you look at it at number four on my list i have massacre at number six i have a friend in need and at number nine i have bounty what do all three of these episodes have in common they're standalone episodes that bring us to a completely new planet that we've never seen before in the context of said episode we might have seen them before like in other things only really dathomir and other things but we've never seen them in that con we never saw dathomir in that context until massacre what I'm trying to say here is I guess what I preferred in this season is when we got away from those those three episode arcs, those four episode arcs, and told concise but straight to the point stories that take those risks, that do crazy things, that brings bring dead night sisters back with zombie magic and do an undercover do a train heist on a crystal planet that turns out is actually probably a, has some moral complexity to it. Or, you know, go to the snow-covered planet and see Deathwatch and what they've been up to in these two seasons. And, you know, there's that another thing about Fred and me that I love, and I know I re- referenced this on uh, the episode that we did, but that Welcome to Deathwatch shot, where we just see the entire village in flames and Lux realizes what she got into, yeah. that is like i mean that that is a pretty awesome shot one of my favorite shots in the entire season um it is very cool where where, as i i gather for you jacob and uh, tell me if i'm putting words in your mouth but like i know what operates a pretty sizable chunk of the top of your list is umbara and is zigeria um and i think you like the more slow paced more time to build character development arcs than i do i mean there are definitely some standalone episodes that i love i do like some standalone episodes and i think there's a certain joy in them when you just have a really a nice story all wrapped up in it just in one 22 minute segment but i i would i would say that you're you you know me well you know that i kind of like the 
the buildup. You know, I talk a lot about peeling back the layers of the onion, you know. That's my new favorite. I'm turning into Shrek, I guess, because that's my new favorite metaphor. Yeah, I think they're like, peeling back the layers of the onion is now the new Jedi lost their way. Yeah. We have to, we need to peel back the layers of the onion on the Jedi Order. (laughs) Good boy. Combine them into. Yeah. Any other interesting areas of disagreement or agreement in our lists that you're picking up on? Uh, Well, um, you know, we can also talk about revenge. Oh, obviously. Number 21 on my list and number four on your list. Yeah, I mean, I mean, do you want, do you want to start or do you want me to start? Go ahead. I want to hear your case for revenge. My case for revenge. Um, I, I, Maul doesn't bother me in this episode that much. I mean, you could just already sold it there. That's, that's, that, you don't need to say um, anymore. And I think for me in this episode, I really, I was just really impressed with what they did with it, you know, with Asajj teaming up with Obi-Wan. That was such a cool moment. The great fight, the great fight that we had um, in that episode, you know, with Asajj jumping in there, it's Obi-Wan, and even as he's getting his butt kicked by a super angry Maul, he's still taunting him for some reason and it's just it for me it's just it feels like a super juicy episode and i i really enjoyed it yeah i guess for me and it's not just mole in this episode um revenge has a problem for me because of season finale expectations and i talked about um how Wookiee Hunt last season felt lackluster for a season finale of The Clone Wars. And I'm realizing I've had a lot of those same problems with Revenge, actually. Um, even, it makes actually Wookiee Hunt look a little bit better by comparison uh, for me, and this is why. When you look at what happens at the end of every single season of The Clone Wars, let's just take the first five for an example, okay? Six and seven work too, just I want to keep it down for simplicity's sake. Yeah. In season one, the entire Senate gets held hostage. That's a big deal. In season two, Boba Fett and Aura Singh no longer become major threats from the Jedi, for the Jedi, which is also a big deal. In Wookiee Hunt, Ahsoka is asked to, for the first time, really realize what it's like to be alone without Anakin or Obi-Wan always behind her which I would argue is also a big deal. And then finally, in season five, Ahsoka leaves the Order, which might be the biggest big deal of any season finale up to that point. In season season four finale, it's not even the one where Maul comes back to life. He just burns the village and fights Obi-Wan, I guess. Yeah. Cool story, bro. He, yeah. He, fight, he burns the village. I think, you may, I think you may have a point. Also, from my perspective, I think... We may be not necessarily spoiled, but our perspective may be changed now that we also have Mando and Rebels down, where these serialized stories obviously have a huge crescendo at the end of each each season. And I think that Clone Wars, I would argue, I would contend maybe that it doesn't necessarily need to be this the the same way for these i think obviously there are it generally does kick up the drama at the end of the season but even with the episodes like hostage crisis they don't necessarily hit as hard as the finales of rebels and the mandalorian do or resistance or resistance so really bad or bad batch so i'm not sure i'm not really sure how much weight at least from my perspective that's why i don't give it as much weight as a season finale i just think it's a great episode and i don't really personally i don't really think about it as a season finale even yeah um i i guess we could also talk about Ambara being so um high on your list and so low on mine though i feel like that two and a half hour episode we recorded with nessa like does that justice um basically um jacob just loves the symbolism and imagery like again tell me if i'm taking um words out of uh, your mouth but i know you love this to symbolism and imagery and all the themes in that arc they just don't hit me in the same way and that's fine not all star wars is for everyone but i just never 
personally connected to Umbara as much because I don't know. I I tend not to gravitate towards that very very dark storytelling as much. Your Revenge of the Siths, your Umbaras, your you know what have yous. Um, I tend not to gravitate towards those. Um, I can see the beauty in them. I like Revenge of the Sith a lot as a movie, but it's never been my favorite, and it's never been close for me as a That's fair. movie. Um, yeah. That's uh, fair. Both of us have the box pretty high on our list, actually. Box. Which I could rave about for days. Yeah, I was surprised on this rewatch by how much I liked the box. It feels like a sleeper episode, because at face value... Now, obviously, there are some high stakes, but it's not yeah. necessarily it's not necessarily positioned as one of these big, heavy-hitter episodes, but it ends up coming out with a lot of really cool moments and cool development yeah. for Obi-Wan and for Bane. And also, I just really like the concept. I think it's really exciting, and it is very—it is, it is undeniably a lot of fun to see uh, Reiko Hardin get his comeuppance. Yeah. No, I, I, um, you mean Moralo Evolve, but... Okay. Or Moralo Evolve, wait, I said, oh. No, yeah, I, yeah, obviously Moralo Evolve. Moralo yeah. Evolve. Um, yeah, face value, this episode does kind of seem a little stupid, but, like, that's before you see exactly how much awesomeness in this, is in this episode and how much great character development is in this episode. Um, I really, I also really enjoy, um, this episode for a lot of just different reasons. Um, it is personally my favorite from the uh from that arc and it looks like if i'm looking at your list correctly it is your favorite from the arc too actually yes um, i had crisis on naboo right below it i had crisis on naboo two spots below it myself <laughs> so um yeah um and finally i guess we should uh, can we end with uh, one more um i want to talk about um massacre oh yeah yeah let's, Number talk, about, four let's talk about massacre on my list and number 18 on your list. Um, you want to go first? You want number me to go first? Number four, number 18. I want to hear what you have to say, yeah. because for me, this wasn't necessarily an episode where it had anything that turned me off of it. It was just an episode that I didn't think there was anything particularly special about. Yeah. I, I feel like this episode is, inc- is incredibly special. I feel like this episode... You know, I don't believe myself in the idea of small galaxy syndrome, but I do think Star Wars does sometimes like to tread over a lot of the same themes and characters and ideas, um, which I'm completely fine with, by the way, and which have served us some great stories in Star Wars. But every once in a while, you know, you get that inkling. You want to see something really weird. You want to see something really crazy. And that's what Massacre is. Okay, so let me hear you out on this. You want a robot army fighting an army of witches. That's what you want. You want an entire 22-minute episode of just army of witches, army of robots, fight. That's, like, that's off the walls crazy. If you had told anybody in you know, 1977, or even 1980, when The Empire Strikes Back was coming out, when the original trilogy was coming out, that, you know, we were going to get an animated TV show and one of the episodes was going to be about a robot army versus an army of witches that you'd never heard of either side in 1980 or 1983 when Return of the Jedi came out, um, and that it would take place before the original trilogy. Nobody would believe you. Least of all, George Lucas wouldn't have believed you, and yet... This is, this, you know, the Night Sisters and, uh, like, the Clone Wars was originally from Lucas's brain, and, you know, Filoni, who's his, like, kind of, um, protege, is, um, is in charge of it, and his own daughter wrote the episode. It's, I don't know, I just, it's, it's, it's such a crazy, wacky episode, and I love when Star Wars just goes nuts, because it can. Yeah. This definitely does, it definitely is reminiscent of kind of the old Legends comics where there's some ideas that are so completely off the wall. You just think, man, how'd this happen? George Lucas must have come up to a random comic writer, said, here's 
a grand. Give me the craziest idea you can. You have well, a week to it, make it happen. That comic writer was actually his daughter, but you know. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, no, I, I know what you're that's saying. That's like that's like the yeah. that's like the idea. Yeah. Of yeah. Just the crazy, the craziness, and the outlandishness, and part of what part of what's being embodied there. Um, another thing, I guess, that I was wondering about that I saw on her list that was very different was obviously the Moncala arc. I had. I think I had Water War and pr- I had Water War at seventeen. I had Water War at seventeen, Prisoners at sixteenth, and Gungan Attack at fourteenth. And obviously, those are your top three. Yes. So I kind of want to dig in and see what we each took away from those. Do you want to? You want to go first? Yeah. Tell me why you like them so much. I I don't know what it is. These episodes just speak to me. Um, I like how this is actually um, going off of what. I said earlier about Massacre, this is a bit of a step back from that. This is... I love how Star Wars sometimes combines old things with new things and just makes it work. Um, you know, I often talk about Phantom Menace like that, where they, where you have all these old things that you remember, Tatooine, and, you know, Obi-Wan, and Yoda, and all those things. But you have these new things. What? There's a, there's a new Sith Lord who has a double-sided lightsaber? How does that work? And, you know, you see him on Tatooine, and you, you got this new version of something you thought you already knew. Um, and I, that's what I like about this arc, and, and is because, like, Lee Char has the hero's journey that we've seen over and over again in Star Wars. Luke does it, Ezra does it, Anakin does it, Rey does it, Cal does it, you know, name a character, they've done it. They've done the hero's journey. But, what's What's, um, what's Lee Char's complication? Well, I would argue that Lee Char's complication is that Lee Char was expected to lead from the get-go. Luke was not expected to lead from the get-go. Rey was not expected to lead from the, get- lead from the get-go. Ezra was not expected to lead from the get-go. They all grew into their roles. Lee Char? Nope, you got no time. You already got to lead. Like, you've, been, you've waited long enough. It, you know, it's a slow burn for somebody like Luke or Ray or Ezra, but it's a it's he is literally thrust into it. I also like, of course, that it takes place underwater because it adds such an interesting new dimension to things. Where you know you're seeing all these people just swim around and 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 you know they have to like if they're not um, Quarren or Moncalari, um, if they're you know like like Anakin or like Padme. You know, you you see in the arc that like, um, their uh, yeah, if their helmet gets removed, they start to suffocate. So they have an extra disadvantage while fighting underwater. Yeah. Um. Uh. I also just love like prisoners is such a Return of the Jedi thing for me, and I don't care how it's told. If you tell the Return of the Jedi story, <laughs> no matter how you tell it, I'm down. I'm good. I, I just mm-hmm. yeah. You know what you like. I respect that. Um, for me, I think I don't. Ne- I again, I don't dislike these episodes. I think they're good episodes. I just think there's so many better episodes for me that I found yes. even more interesting. Um, and and I there were a lot of parts about these episodes that I really liked. I thought a lot of the um. A lot of where they really shined for me was kind of when they put the characters in those really desperate situations. You know, they're split up. They're they're hiding out in the caves. Lee Char's questioning whether he's he's meant to lead, whether he can do it. That's where it really takes off for me. But I just thought there were too many things that were better than it to yeah. give it a high spot. I understand that. Um, but can we get to um, best episode? I already talked about mine. Um uh, which is prisoners, um, but uh, you know r- the rally of all of Lee Char's people, Quarren and Moncala to his side—that very "there are more of us" moment to rally all against the Karkadons who go out faster than the Knights of Ren um, in Red Skywalker, uh, and um, you know seeing the utter destruction of Rift Hansen who has been a pain in the ass for the last three episodes. <laughs> um, but like to see that. There, there's that haunting shot of of 
his of of his fractured skull falling to the bottom of the ocean. You know that shot I'm talking oh, about. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's it's incredible what that does. Um, and you know, seeing him fulfilling his destiny and becoming the leader, we all knew him to be Chef's Kiss. Um, <laughs> what about your favorite episode? Talk to me about Carnage of Krell. Not that you need to anymore, because I already know why you love this episode. So much. Wow, I love Carnage of Krell. I think this is just the epitome of the clone's journey through this through this quadrilogy and also the viewer's journey of kind of getting to know the clones going through some of these tough moments with them kind of seeing you know the the identity battles and the struggles with their identity that they face as you know as as tough as the truth may be you know they're clones they've pretty much they're bred for one purpose you know that's yep. to, that's for war um so it's it's just amazing to see kind of it all come to fruition of how much they've been humanized and and given more space to to be interesting and to to take up time in the show compared to the the movies um obviously everything that happens in Carnage of Krell it's an absolute gut punch it's it's so emotional it's absolutely amazing the moment with Waxer is just it's absolutely heartbreaking yeah. Um, it's just it's just incredible, and and I have to say, Krell himself, Pong Krell. Yeah, I know Pong Krell gets a lot of hate, and rightfully so. No one no one likes Pong Krell. I mean, come on. But he really is a chilling villain in this. He really is very convincing and very scary. You know, when when Rex is like Krell, why why do you do this? He says he's just like because I can because I can because, because you, you fell stupid. for it you were stupid enough to believe it yeah he just says like because I can because you fell for it like it's it's just absolutely chilling and I love that yeah also the visuals of the, of Umbara are just spectacular what so. visuals I didn't see any visuals <laughs> <laughs> so it was a very it was a very dark episode literally literally dark literally but I mean as much as I love so many episodes in season four, I think, I think, I think honestly, around seventy-five percent of these episodes are absolutely immaculate. Like ninety percent or better. If I had to give them a numerical score, Carnage of Krell, just for me, by far and away, by far, by far, by far, the best episode of this season. Not even close. Or as I call it, Carnage of Krill, the one episode of the Embarra arc where something happens. <laughs> oh, oh, come on, come on. I'm mostly oh. joking, mostly. Hey, Look, you put you, you said it. as 16 on your yeah, list. Yeah, I know. Not, I'm not saying it's a bad episode, though. Oh, and I put Carnage of Krell at 16 on my list. No way! Oh my god. Do you have any Do you have any takes about Carnage of Krell in specific? I absolutely, I actually really like that episode. I uh, There's a lot of stuff that I... Um, I, I do like I like the revelation of Krell's grand plan. I like um I guess this is what it is. I guess my problem with the Ambar arc actually one of my major problems is I think it takes a little bit too long to get to I don't think they needed four episodes to do what they wanted to do. You're um, right, they didn't need four episodes. They needed eight. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say something like that. I knew I was going to say that. As soon as uh, I leaned towards the mic. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure they needed four episodes to tell the story, and I feel like the burn would have been so much more satisfying if I wasn't constantly waiting in the arc for it to happen. Mm, but, like, the I burn see. was still good. The burn was darn good. Yeah. Um, let's talk about our worst episodes. <laughs> Um, you go first with Nomad Droids. Nomad Droids. For me, that's an interesting one, because it's not necessarily that I, there was anything in this episode that really disappointed me or, or made me mad, but when I was watching this, I was just kind of bewildered. You know? I was, I, I was just thinking, what, what are they, what is going on? What is happening? I genuinely... I'm genuinely bewildered watching this, and that's still how I feel when I think about that episode. Um, so yeah, it just it just missed the mark for me. Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't like that. the whole magical mystery adventure thing. Yeah, didn't really do much for me. No, I get that. It, it's not one of my favorites, honestly. Um, 
Let me talk about mine. I know Jacob totally does not want me to hear, want to hear me talk any more about this episode. But let's talk about brothers. It's a mess. Brothers is a mess. It's not, again, I don't think it's bad quality-wise. I do, I did get the sense a lot of the episode was made up as it went along. Like, that they didn't really know what they were doing with this whole thing, but they're like, we need an episode for Muller Return, we'll pull it for 20 minutes until Muller Returns. <laughs> um, uh, literally the best thing about this episode, and I kid you not, this is, I think, maybe the best thing about this episode is Sam Witwer. Sam Witwer's um, voice acting is immaculate. It's incredible, um, and it saves Maul from just not, like... It saves me from not cringing when Maul comes on screen because I know Sam Witwer's there and I know he's doing his magic as Maul. And I love what he does as Maul, but I just can't stand the lines. Like, like you know, have Maul's lines said by any other actor with any other tone, and they sound a lot worse. Um, they just do. Um, it, it, again, my opinion, but... Um, for I have a few for best characters. Um, okay. So do you want to go first or should I? I'll, I'll go first, actually. All right. Um, Despite my indifference towards Umbara, I do think Rex is the star of this season. I think a lot of the development he gets, not just in um, Umbara, but also in Zygeria, also in Mon Calamari, also in... Um, there was another one. Um, I guess those are the three arcs. Then I guess you could say Mon Cala, Zygeria, and Umbara the development that Rex gets in all those three, I think really stands out. And we get to know him more at, like Rex, we get to know more this season than any other character, not just as a clone, but as a person, but as a character. We don't get this, like, it's sometimes I forget Rex is a clone because he doesn't feel like a clone. He feels like a non-clone character, but that's, I think, what due to this season. So yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I have a few picks. Um, I tried to stray away, as, as I often try to, I tried to stray away from, from main characters and just think about which side characters really shined in this season. And for that, my picks are going to have to be Ventress, Rex, and Cad Bane. You know, with Ventress, obviously she only shows up for a little bit, a few episodes right at the end. But I thought she really had a lot of growth. And I, I really enjoyed um, seeing her as the protagonist for once and seeing seeing a little bit of the galaxy from her perspective. So I, I really liked that. As for Rex, obviously, he just gets tested and put through so much in the Embar arc. And I really think we get to know him as a character a lot more. You know... Like we know about Rex before before this episode, obviously. Like he's been in a lot. He's the clone captain, the trusty sidekick. We know about Rex, but, but we after don't know this Rex. after this episode, I feel like we really after that arc, the Umar in particular, I feel like we really know Rex a little bit more. And the Zygeria arc as well. Yes. Because he he, fi- he figures heavily in that. Cad Bane, yeah, I have a lot more respect for Cad Bane after rewatching the box. I think it's really cool seeing If you wanna kill him. You're gonna do it like a man. Yeah, seeing him end up unwittingly sticking up for his arch-rival, Obi-Wan Kenobi, only to be turned in by him in the end. But yeah, I just really like Cabane in this, you know? Same crafty, wily, badass space cowboy, now with a little bit more respectability and a little bit more moral... Maybe not, yeah, maybe a little more moral ambiguity. You know, maybe he is capable of some good, of some honor. You know, honor among thieves. That's what it is for him. Absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, here we go. Worst character. Let's have you go first, because reasons. Jacob, worst character in this season. Worst character in the season. I would say... I mean, Bo-Katan, obviously, I would, I would pick her just because I, I don't like her as yeah. a character. She, she does pop up. But I think another one that I want to talk about is Lee Char. 
I know, I know, I know, I know. It's your, I know, it's it's your boy, it's your boy, Lee Char. But I mean, like, I I just think that they could have pushed him a lot further, and I found him to be cliche. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. What about you? Do you really need to ask me that question? I was, I was betrayed. I was robbed of my destiny by one Kenobi. Did they have to bring Maul back? I'm going to be asking this constantly, but like, did they really have to? Coolest new thing you noticed from the rewatch. What do you got? I, what I really noticed, I kind of touched on this before, I, I touched on this quite a bit before, but how little of the Clone Wars at this point is about clones. Or clones and droids. You know, it really has come such a long way from the early seasons of, you know... Every every episode in or in season one or two, the vast majority of episodes, it really felt like this formula. Not necessarily a formula in a bad way, but you know, it had its thing, the Clone Wars. But at this point, the kind of stories that it's telling have broadened so much in the variety and the scope and and the characters that they're about and the the places that they're going, the situations that they're in. Um, that I think only Water War. Umbara is a clone-heavy episode, but it kind of flips. It flips the traditional model on its head. Like if that if Umbara was in season one, it would just be a two or three episode thing about you know having to use craft, uh, craft and and cunning um, to uh, uh, eventually defeat the Umbarans. But I think only Water War can be marginally considered a traditional kind of early Clone Wars thing in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, coolest new thing I noticed from the rewatch. I forgot how much variety there was in the season. They went there, and they went there, and they went there, and they zipped around for two episodes with C-3PO and R2-D2, and they did an intergalactic slavery arc, and they brought Maul back. Like, they did it all this season. They, they, went, they, they went big. This was a big galaxy-expanding season, and I noticed that a lot in the rewatch. Favorite planet? My favorite planet, for me, the obvious choice is Umbara. I probably should have seen that coming. <laughs> Care to elaborate a little bit more? Um, I, I could just say no, but, you know, um, obviously uh, my favorite arc and my favorite episode does take place there. Um, it is very dark, literally, which can be a pain at times. But I really like the mysteriousness of it, the the other the sense of otherworldliness that it really turns cranks up to the max. You know, with all the crazy, uh, slow swaying, undulating, bioluminescent fungi, trees, plants, leaves, what have you. And and I really think um, that it kind of mirrors. It mirrors the journey of the episodes, how it's un it's it's untreaded waters. Absolutely, 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 absolutely. Um uh yeah. Let's see. Yeah, for mine it's a tie between Dathomir and Quartzite. Um what Massacre and Bounty do for those two episodes, it's they're just incredible and unique and what we get to see of the resurrection chambers on Dathomir, and the, you know, the, um, hover train on Quartzsite, um, and all of the context we get in the world that we get for those two worlds is fantastic. Um, so I can't choose between Dathomir and Quartzsite. Maybe Dathomir, because I like Massacre better than I like Bounty, but Dathomir and Quartzsite. Season 8's gonna be, you know, season 5. The season where the river hits the road. Where... A lot of stuff goes down. A lot of loyalties are tested. A lot of big things happen. Um, but before that, we gotta get to everybody's favorite uh, part of the show. You ready? What you brought me today is worth one quarter portion. So, as you know, Jacob and I um, were invited, and we are going to be on a live stream in around a month. Um, um, for our friend Alberto on Radio Rebellion. Um, it's going to be a trivia live stream. And Jayo and I have some pretty fearsome opponents. Um, we got Mr. Andrew Geha from Outer Rim Reads. 
Um, and I know that guy's not going to be up to any good when um, <laughs> we got um, the great Arzu Amin, who we've had on the stream before and who seems like a great person. And I know she's going to have some tricks up her sleeve. Uh, and we have Hannah from uh, Followers of the Force. And I know uh, she's also going to be very intimidating uh, in trivia. So Jacob and I thought, we're going to do all trivia until the live stream happens. So all of our one board portion until the live stream will be trivia. Um, Jacob and I are going to try and stump each other with some Star Wars trivia. Um, we're just doing the movies, the 12 movies. One through nine, Solo, Rogue One, and Clone Wars movie. That's it. Um, uh, for these five. But in episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker, what is the main, one main physical difference between Kylo Ren and Ben Solo? The Rise of Skywalker, the one main physical difference. You could also say this in The Last Jedi as well. But... Oh my gosh. Wait. Is he wearing a different outfit? Is that, is that not what you're looking for? Nope. Is the scar on his face gone? There we go. How did I... I, I mean, when I knew Ray that because... healed him, the scar disappeared. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah, because I... I was thinking, I was like, oh gosh, how am I going to get this? And I thought about the one the one scene where Ben Solo, he, he says the lightsaber and he shrugs. And then I, I, I remember thinking, well, something's a little off about that scene, you know. The scar is gone. Think, go over it in my mind. The scar is gone. Yeah. The scar is gone. Okay, go ahead with your first one. The Empire Strikes Back primarily takes place in two star sectors. The Sluis Sector contains Dagobah. What is the other sector? The Enoa sector. Yes! 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 The Etowat sector! Yeah! Ding, okay. ding, ding! Great! Awesome! What is the name of Crimson Dawn leader Dryden Voss's yacht? Oh gosh, his yacht. Oh geez, I used to know this. Oh man. This is one that just kind of slips into your brain sometimes and then slips out. I'm gonna have to. F Man, this I, is probably the hardest one. Gosh, if you asked me this in 2018, I could have rattled it off. I I'm gonna have to fold on that one. I have no clue. That is the first light. Okay, that was not what I was thinking of. So I think I had to conflate with something else. It was not yeah. not what I was thinking of. First light. That that was probably the hardest one of all five of mine. Okay, go ahead with your second one. What very important Jedi with a key role in the plot of the prequel trilogy? had their name changed by a typo because the D and F keys are next to each other. The D and F keys. Um, I'm going to say they play a major role in the prequel trilogy. They play a major role in the plot of the prequel trilogy. Yeah, okay, you gave that away. <laughs> I did. Yes, it's Sifo Diaz. The, the story goes that... I was almost going to do... I was almost going to say, yeah, money. You yeah. almost got me there The story goes that Sifo Diaz's name was originally supposed to be Saito Diaz as a, maybe a mispronunciation or interpolation of Sidious, but Lucas actually liked the change when he saw a draft of the script. And so I guess he, he thought, okay, Sifo Diaz it is. So um, I, I think that's pretty cool. In the Star Wars The Clone Wars movie, when um, when Anakin and Ahsoka are trying to are walking on Tatooine trying to get Rada back to his father, um, what does Ahsoka try to convince Anakin to talk about, much to his dismay? Sand? That is correct. <laughs> Why don't we talk about the sand? Man, I wonder if that was... That must have been a purposeful reference. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Which character that is partly named after George Lucas's son was a miner and a gun smuggler before moving to Coruscant and starting a business? I used to be a prospector on some Torrell. That's Dexter Jester. Yes. He doesn't mention that he was also a gun smuggler at some point. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. What is Rebel General Mayhem's first name? 
Rebel General what? Maidine. Maidine. Cricks. Cricks. There Maidine. we go. That just threw me for a loop because I always uh, I always knew it as Madine, but I guess it's me. Maybe it's Madine. Cricks Madine. Cricks Madine. Okay. I hope I hope I made this one specific enough. Okay. Um, this is the last one for you. No, second to last. Okay. Yeah. What canonical character is often incorrectly referenced as being related to another character, despite that never being confirmed? Are you talking about Kylo and Sabine Wren? No. No. Interesting. It's a lot. It's a lot more officialized than that. Okay. Then. Then I'll. It isn't. They're in the. This character appears in the prequels in one movie, I believe. Give okay, give me a second. Wait for it. Um, they seem to be related to another character, but... They're often incorrectly referred, referred to. Re as incorrectly as referred to as a relative of another character, when in fact they are not. Is it, are, are we talking about um, Owen Lars being Obi-Wan's brother? No. Okay. I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. No. This character only appears in the Phantom Menace. Briefly, not a speaking role, I believe. Yeah, I they're can't. a Jedi. Oh. No, I can't say. Do it. What is it? Yaddle. Oh. Everyone always. Everyone. Everyone says, or a lot of things say, even official things incorrectly call uh, Yaddle a relative of Yoda. They're not. But they're not. Or it's it's they're, never been. Not, it's it's never. It's one of those. It's one of those things where they've never said yeah. that they're not. But they've also never said. That. I was thinking like Bail and Kelly is being confused for Bail Organa. That was the other place I was going. Yeah. But that okay. Yeah. No, that was not. Jacob, how many towers does the Jedi Temple have? Five. That's correct. Yes. Um. What's your last one for me? Okay. <clears throat> In what movie are? Colo claw eggs served as food. The eggs or the fish? I'm actually not sure. Could because be either one. The fish is served in Solo Star Wars Story. Okay, was my that is I'm gonna say correct because my source said the eggs also in okay. Solo Star Wars Story. So. Okay, because yeah, because you, you got it right. Also, let's just say you got it right. Because I specifically remember Dragon Boss going. Kind of cool. Cool. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. Anything else? Um, yeah, um, we're going to... Our next uh, episode is going to be out, um, as always, in two weeks. We're going to be covering the Onderon arc of Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Um, until then, uh, please uh, thank... First of all, thank you for um, listening to Star Wars in the Galaxy Season 7. This was a lot of fun to record. It was probably one of the most fragmented seasons. We didn't record a lot of these together, but we're gonna, we're excited to be recording a lot more of season eight um, together and um, in person, uh, fortunately enough, and uh, not like we recorded some of these episodes back in April. Um, I'm specifically thinking of Umbara and Mon Calamari. We recorded that back in April. So this has been a long process for us, but... Um, uh, we're very excited about getting back to normal, but um, please uh, follow us on Twitter at In a Galaxy Pod, Instagram at Star Wars In a Galaxy. Listen, you can listen to us Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts, we'll be there. If we're not, please let us know. Um, you can let us know by emailing us at swinagalaxy at gmail.com, where we'd also love to receive your hot takes, your your trivia. We want to prepare for this um, live stream uh, that Alberto is um, doing uh, and that we're both very excited about. We want to hear your Six Degrees of Star Wars. We want to hear everything that um, they, our listeners want to send us. Um, please leave a five-star review if you can on Apple Podcasts. It really does help our visibility. Um, and I, Oh, also, last week we posted, um, I posted my um, Spotify playlist, which is uh, one song for every episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. I had a little too much fun with that. Um, if you want to check that out, the link will be in the description of the episode. Until next time, may the Force be with you, always. <laughs>